Good morning. Joining me now from somewhere near Heartland, our good friend Al Bat. Good morning, Al. Hey, it's been a little bit rainy lately and hot. It it is. We got a a little bit of rain. You know, it, it made so much noise on the roof. It must have been huge drops when they came down because it didn't amount to much in the rain gauge. But uh, it just uh, it woke me up. I'm one of those uh, light sleepers that I hear everything. You know, and a cat stretches and yawns in the middle of the night i hear that and uh, when the uh, fellas with their the young folks that uh, will uh, have hearing problems someday drive by in their cars with uh, <laughs> everything blaring at full blast and and uh, you know we've all been there so i understand that but uh, i hear all that stuff so it uh, you know i i have a honey crisp apple Ooh. right by my hand the other day, I was munching on a Honeycrisp apple as I watched a combine gnawing through a bean field. And the Honeycrisp is my favorite eating apple. It's both tart and sweet. It's crispy and it's juicy. And my wife had just bought this bag of Honeycrisp along with a bag of sweet tango apples. Honeycrisp is a cross between macoon and a honey gold apple where Sweet Tango is a cross between a Honeycrisp and a Zestar apple. So the Honeycrisp is actually a parent of Sweet Tango. And as I enjoyed the apple, a painted lady butterfly flew very high overhead. I had binoculars, so I looked at it. It was that high up there. And it's actually migrating south on an air current, and it's headed to the southwest, probably maybe Texas or even Mexico. I saw more painted ladies this year than I've seen in 15 years. Well, I was going to comment on that to you, too, because in my backyard on my zinnias and my other flowers, I have seen hundreds of painted ladies. So I took a bunch of pictures and put them on Facebook, and then I had all these other people posting the same thing. I've never seen so many painted lady butterflies either. So what's going on? It was just uh, the planets aligned and everything worked out well and uh, breeding went well and hatching went well. So we ended up with a lot of them. The plants were there for them and the weather was right. And we will probably see a few of them. The numbers have certainly declined because prior to uh, the last couple of days, anytime I looked at sedum, Mm -hmm. there were painted ladies. Yes. Now I can see some sedum that is painted lady-free. So they are uh, moving out of the area, but we will typically see them until we get that first frost. We'll probably see a few. And sadly, those that we see around that time, they probably will not be doing any migration, so that frost will more than likely get them. I, we had a foggy day yesterday, and uh, we have a lot of wind turbines, 122 of them there. 397 feet tall when you get up to the blade when it's fully extended upward and it was real foggy and it reminded me that folklore all my life i've been told this that folklore says for every fog in august comes a snowfall in the winter Hmm. and i think it's unlikely that that's true but you know i've never remembered to count the fog to prove (laughs) it wrong Every year I say, I'm going to keep track of those fogs and see how many, if that adds up. So maybe next year, that's going to be my goal. Well, so far you've Uh, got one snowfall at least. (laughs) Yes. Uh, 
the leaves of the trees, I was just looking at them, and they're providing a pleasing palette. Uh, there's not a lot of red right now because a lot of the red fell to the ground, sadly. But uh, Faith Baldwin wrote, Autumn burned brightly, a running flame through the mountains, a torch flung to the trees. And I just think that is such beautiful descriptive writing. And I love fall, and I fall for fall each year. I just fall more in love with it. Uh, Dan Phillips of Heartland, oh, the teammate of mine, said he has seven wild turkeys coming right to his front door. Uh, Terry Perkins of Albert Lee said, should I spray for cicada killer wasps? Uh, boy, I want now, Terry. They're just about gone. Uh, they've lived such a short time. And I tell everybody I've never been stung by one, but I understand when people, if you have kids playing around a sandy area, you're just, you worry about it. But I would think you'd just pretty much have run out of them by now. Well, you know, the same uh, thing with the Japanese beetle. They've moved on, too. But I am finding more and more mosquitoes now. That's something that has actually increased in the recent days. And I was standing out in a little bit of that rain, and the mosquitoes were biting me. So it was uh, one of the uh, tougher times this year with mosquitoes. So yeah. it's, they, you just never know when you're going to get them. They're like the Spanish Inquisition. You just don't know when to expect those guys. Uh, Nick Shermer of Hayward. Oh, he ran Nick's Meats in Hayward for about 100 years. The business still exists, but... Uh, Nick sold it and just made those wonderful products that every guy loves, the beef sticks and beef jerky and all those things. Uh, Nick says he's seeing a bunch of cicada husks on the screens, window and door screens. Uh, Bonnie Williamson of Glenville, this is kind of a repeated refrain, no birds at her feeders. And I know uh, a good share of folks are that way. Uh, at mine, I have blue jays, chickadees are coming in, downy woodpeckers, and goldfinches. A lot of the other birds, a lot of our birds have are in the process of migrating or have migrated. So that knocks the number down quite a bit. We haven't got in our juncos, our white-throated sparrows, things that come to the feeders. They haven't got here yet, so that cuts the number down. And then a lot of the birds that we have here, they're just carefree now. There's plenty of seeds and berries and a lot of insects. So they're just, um, you know, they're taking this time to do a little travel and see the countryside and move around. Well, which but, ones uh, are Bonnie, officially on the move? Because I saw my first blue jay of the season yesterday, actually, which I thought was, oh, my first blue jay. I hadn't seen one all season, and now I see one. Are they on the move somewhere, too? And they're jaying as I speak outside. I can hear them here. Yeah, some of the jays will migrate and some will not and a lot of them will move short distances just kind of find another place we don't know why some of them migrate some uh, individual blue jay will migrate one year not migrate the next year and maybe migrate the third year hmm. and science has just not been able to determine why they decide to go one year and not the next year and they're short-distance migrants when they do. If you go to Hawk Ridge, I'm working up at Hawk this weekend, uh, speaking at their uh, big bash banquet up there. And you'll see a lot of blue jays migrating that coming down from Canada. So they do move around. Uh, almost every bird we see right now is moving around. Robins, 
I have had one robin in my yard here for a while, and I expect here one day I'll have a bunch. Uh, flickers, I've not had a lot, but uh, typically I will get a lot of flickers coming in. So most of the birds, if they're not migrating, they're still moving around some. So they're all in, uh, they would have to have, if they were a car, they'd probably have one of those transit stickers uh, stuck on there. So uh, Chad Hines on September 23rd, he led a bird walk on Bethany's campus. They saw a white-throated sparrow. I just mentioned that I haven't had any in my yard yet, but uh, any day. Uh, Lincoln sparrow, chipping sparrow, blue-headed vireo, red-eyed vireo, Tennessee warbler, Nashville warbler, chestnut-sided warbler, common yellowthroat, ruby-crowned kinglet, gray catbird, scarlet tanager, double-crested cormorant, chimney swift, Franklin's gull, ringbill gull, Cooper's hawk, and broad-winged hawk. Chad says we ended at the Bethany Hawk Watch at 10 a.m. and retreated to an hour of broad-winged hawk movement with some sharp shins and vultures mixed in. We had 108 birds during that hour, including a dark-phase broad-winged hawk, our fifth of the season. And Bonnie Heineke saw an ibis in Lesueur County, so it'd be an ibis species. She didn't identify it. She took some photos and hoping to identify which species. Uh, it's in a wet field across from the solar panel farm on Highway 13, a little north of 10. So that'd be north of Lake Tatanka. Oh, uh, and there's no name on this text, but it says, how can I tell a viceroy butterfly from a monarch? Yeah, man, that can be really difficult, especially when they're flying. If you could have them in your hand, you could tell them easily, but the color and pattern of monarch and viceroy wings are nearly identical. A viceroy has a black line uh, crossing the post-median hind wing, but that's really hard to see when they're flying. Viceroys are smaller than monarchs, although that size difference, that's really hard to distinguish. Uh, one way that I kind of use when I see them flying, and it's certainly not 100%, but a viceroy has a faster and more erratic flight than a monarch. So if it's zooming a little bit and kind of taking a crooked path, that might be a viceroy, because a monarch, we're familiar with them, they kind of float in this flap, flap, and then they glide, flap, flap, glide. And they just float. When we think of floating, Muhammad Ali said, float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. And monarch butterflies float like butterflies. Which is more uh, common in terms of to see? The, is it more common that you would see a viceroy or a, a monarch? I mean, which is more, I guess, plentiful? Monarch, many, many times. Oh, really? Okay. More. Yeah, yeah. And viceroys are... Um, you know, monarchs are so famous for their migration, and viceroys do not migrate. Oh. And they overwinter as larvae uh, rolled up in the leaf of a willow or a poplar. Hmm. So they, they hang around here. Um, and, of course, monarchs are headed. We hope they all make it to Mexico. And uh, Mr. Sather just asked me a great question yesterday. He's uh, from Albert Lee. And he said, why do mallards sound as if they're laughing? <laughs> and you think about it, you hear a lot of that. Wank, 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 wank. They sound like um, 
Popeye or, or uh, W.C. Fields, maybe. That you know, <laughs> Herb Kroon laughs like that, too, if you ever heard him, too. <laughs> he seriously. <laughs> yeah, you'll you'll have to have him laugh for you someday. And who is, oh, the... the Herb is, is the our host. Penguin? For more than uh, 30 years, Herb Kroon's been the host of Best of Broadway. He sure has, and a wonderful guy. Yeah. Was it the Penguin was the bad guy in the Batman comics? Yes. And move shows. He did that. Wah, 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 wah. Kind of the same sort of thing. Yes. Well, the, when <laughs> we think of the duck call, a quintessential duck's quack, is that sound made by the female mallard. And females often give this call in a series of two to ten quacks that uh, they begin loudly and then they become softer. And when courting, she may give a. Uh, a paired form of that quack. The male mallard does not quack at all. He gives a quieter, rasping, one or two noted call. To me, it sounds like he's going mwab, 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 mwab. <laughs> and the familiar laughing that quack, 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 is from the female mallard and is called the decrescendo call. Decrescendo call. And this call can be heard for long distances. And a female gives a call when she wants to bring other ducks to her, uh, whether it's part of the flock or her sweetie. But uh, I hear them doing that a lot when they're doing the ducklings, when she's saying, you guys get over here, you're all driving me nuts. (laughs) And she'll do that call. And they will come, well, sometimes they come running, sometimes they just kind of ignore it, I think. But I, I read this. Oh, I think I read this last year, and you know, I'm I'm one of those people that clips things, and then I carry them around and throw them in a pocket, and put them in an envelope, and throw them in a file, and then sooner or later I lose them, and once in a while I find them again. There was a a woman parked her Mitsubishi. The, the make of the car really has nothing to do with it, but it just seems like maybe this was appropriate for a Mitsubishi in the town of Haverford West in Wales, and while she shopped, a swarm of 20,000 bees was drawn to her car. And a local man saw the swarm, and he called some beekeepers, and they helped get the bees off the car. The next day, the woman realized that some of the bees had followed her home, and it was believed that the queen bee had somehow been attracted to something inside the car and had found an entrance and gotten inside her car. Oh, my. So her subjects were loyal, as were the beekeepers that saved both the bees and the Mitsubishi without any harm. But uh, what a thing. You come back from shopping at, uh, I don't know what stores they have in Wales, but comes out, it'd be like coming out of Target or something here, and here you have 20,000 bees on your car. I thought you were going to say it was like bright red or something or bright yellow and the bees were all attracted to the color. I That's what I was yeah, thinking. Yeah, you know, and I don't think that was it. I don't know what uh, the, and the beekeepers, when they asked were asked for comments, said, no. we don't know what it was, something sweet maybe, we're not sure. Huh. I was, um, I spoke in Kentucky, oh, was that last weekend? Weekend before last. And I was stayed in a hotel the night before because I had, to be at the airport, I think at 5.30 or 5, somewhere around in there. So I'm dragging my wheeled suitcase, which is just a battered wreck. It's It's got duct tape all over it, and it just 
people kind of look at it and then they'll turn away. (laughs) And I was wearing a backpack, which is a bright orange marmot backpack that, that I just dearly love. And I walked to the front door of this hotel where I'd be spending the night. And I applied the brakes on my battered sandals, which kind of matched the suitcase. And there was a large American toad just ahead of me. Now, I like toads. I like them an awful lot. Perhaps, maybe it's because I read Wind in the Willows when I was little by Kenneth Graham, and I just uh, fell in love with toads. Well, the hotel's door sensed my presence and opened. And perhaps I was staying at Toad Hall. Mr. Toad of Toad Hall was one of the main characters in the novel, The Wind in the Willows. But the toad hopped into the hotel like he'd been there before. He just went right in. So I dumped my baggage, and I grabbed the toad, but not without a short chase. I had to chase him around the hotel while the clerk is trying to stifle her laughter. And I carried the toad outside, and he was a big guy. And I found a spot that seemed as if it would be good for a toad. There was some vegetation, and I was hoping maybe slugs or something for him to eat. And then I unfurled my brow and checked into the hotel, and I was I was feeling that great feeling that you get when you think, man, I almost did something good there. I hope that was good. I have a question, and you're a master gardener, so you probably know. I'm sure you know the answer, but Maybe. I get this uh, pretty much every year, and it's a great question. Is a tomato a vegetable or a fruit? A fruit. Yep, and scientifically speaking, a tomato is a fruit, and fruits are developed from the ovary and the base of the flower, and they contain the seeds of the plant. Although, I guess now, you know, cultivated forms of a lot of things may be seedless. But a tomato is technically the fruit of the tomato plant, but we use it as a vegetable in cooking. And uh, somebody, I read this, or somebody told me long ago, said the difference between knowledge and wisdom is that knowledge is knowing that a tomato is a fruit. Wisdom is not putting tomatoes in a fruit salad. (laughs) So that's probably the easiest way to remember that. And um, I love tomatoes. I just um, ate part of one. I love these little, I grow a little yellow pear. Mm -hmm. They're volunteer guys. Sure. I grew them, I don't know how many years ago, and they just keep coming back. And, man, I, I just, I walk over to my garden, and I eat a bunch of them every morning. They just, I, I love the taste of them. I love the looks of them, uh, the beautiful color. And I, I wish, I, I, I wish, I should put them in some kind of thing and see if I can grow them in, indoors all uh, winter long. I just love those Only things. if you they have an up. abundance of heat humidity and light because otherwise it's real tough to grow some of those things lest you have a some sort of a greenhouse i wish you could too yeah i always want to slap a real small greenhouse and just put a couple little container plants have Mm -hmm. one of those attached right to the the house but um you know my dad was always fixing to do things and i've got that gene so when i say i'm fixing to do that that means you know there's a real good chance i'll probably never (laughs) ever do that but I just love those little tomatoes, and uh, you know, there's other tomatoes that have a lot more taste, certainly, but these guys are, and they're bite size, they're just the right size, I pop one in there, and I I don't clean them or anything, you know, because I'm a guy, we just eat, all my life I've been eating fruits and berries, Uh, grew up eating uh, chestnut crab, chestnut crab apples, 
and I just loved them too. Once in a while they get a little bitter, but it didn't matter. And I would eat gooseberries when they were green, which I've outgrown now because it makes me shudder. <laughs> but I, I eat all those things, and I just I can't get out of the habit of just eating stuff. Hey, you were mentioning um, uh, toads, and I was thinking last night when I was mowing the lawn out by the lake, before I was seeing a lot of frogs at the top of the hill, and now I'm seeing the frogs down at the bottom when I was mowing. Are they moving down to uh, make way for a new home for the winter, or, or is not? Is it too early for that yet? I, I would guess they're moving around trying to find suitable um, quarters to spend the winter. So they'll be heading to wetlands and... Um, perfect place to spend the, the um, their off-season, I guess. They take her pretty easy. And I, I love toads because they eat slugs. Mm-hmm. Slugs, uh, you know, I, I, I'm sure there's somebody out there that's a big fan of slugs, but there can't no. be very many people. No. <laughs> I just don't like slugs for many reasons. And we have hostas. People with hostas are not big slug fans. And I don't know if there's, you know, the one uh, team in California is a banana slugs. Is really? That, that's their mascot. Oh, my. <laughs> and I don't know if there's any team that just has slugs as a mascot. But, boy, I uh, I love toads because they love to eat slugs. And anything that eats slugs, is they're my buddies. So, so can I you appreciate- buy toads to put in your your garden and how would you make them stay is my question because you know you can bring things in but unless you fence them in it's going to be hard to keep them so if i wanted to keep something to get rid of the slugs what would i need to do in the hosta garden yeah we put out those little toad houses you know you can just take one of those little flower pots turn it upside down and and crack or cut a little opening maybe a little v opening so they can go in there because they like a nice place like that. Toads aren't real good in the sun, mm. so they like places like that. And I don't know of any place where you can get toads, but it, I guess it would not surprise me at all. But that would be the problem, Karen, would be keeping them there. Right. You know, you could give them the pep talk and say there's plenty to eat, and then so as you leave, they'll kind of hop across the lawn and try to find the nearest lawnmower or something. Well, so do- I... I, I I don't know how you'd keep them there, but... Uh, do they like the moisture? Because I do see them around our pond sometime, but the hostas are a little further away and gets a little drier. So I'm wondering if it's the moisture that really they'd rather be with. Yeah, they like a little bit of moisture, not maybe as much as frogs, but they certainly like a little wet. But they, oh, they're just, they're such great guys to have around. And also garter snake slugs as well. And uh, I know, again, a lot of people don't care to have snakes around, but I love snakes and the little uh, green snakes and the red-bellied snakes are very small. So they feed on a lot of our pests and they would certainly eat slugs as well. So I'm just glad there's all these things are eating slugs because I can't imagine how many slugs we would have if it were not for all these things that are eating them. It's just... uh, a lot of things eat them, and a lot of birds do as well if they can find them. But do fishermen I, ever use them as bait? I guess I've never heard somebody, you know, go to a bait shop and say, "Give me a, you know, a bag of slugs," because it seems like that would be something fish might like. But I don't know. I would think they would. I've, you know, we used to fish in the the Lesueur River begins in our farm. That's the headwaters of the Lesueur, so we would have the little cane poles, and yep. we'd have a homemade hook and. 
we put everything on there that we could find, grasshoppers and <laughs> kernels of corn. We'd use that. But we never, ever used a slug. And um, so apparently nobody we knew ever used slug because we were those little boys with the minds that just sucked in everything that older boys told us. Right. So we, we didn't have to write anything down that an older boy told us because we memorized that immediately. So we used everything they used for bait, and I don't ever remember using slugs. I'd be happy to hear from somebody if they ever used slugs. They look, you're right, they look like they'd be great bait, kind of. Yeah, I would like to hear that too because they're so plentiful, and I would think, I mean, if I could sell them, then I wouldn't be so (laughs) mad about them in my hostas. You could set the boys up in the slug business. They <laughs> could right. have a little roadside stand down there selling to people when they drive by. And yeah. Say, Boy, the slugs, the slugs are fresh today. They're big, <laughs> and uh, we've been feeding them well. And so they're already, Ugh. we feed them the best hostas. So yes. these are good slugs. <laughs> Speaking of eating and what's good eating, what's good at the cafe today? Oh, please come to the cafe where the food chain is missing a few links. This special is always a Heimlich maneuver and gravy is considered a beverage and now featuring authentic leftovers with less hair in the food and real cup holders where grease is good and none of the food smells like feet. Um, I just want to talk about everybody gathered today at breakfast and just uh, comments from a couple of the people here that are worthy of me mentioning, I think. You know, not everyone speeds. It seems like they do. But Marlene Zapala, who lives in Heartland here, told me that her husband, Harold, drives so slowly <laughs> that the only bugs that ever hit his pickup hit the back window. Oh, and Carol King of Cumming, Iowa, who was home for our class reunion, she's a classmate of mine, reminded me that when we went to kindergarten, our entire class of 14 rambunctious kids were crammed into a single woody station wagon and driven to school this woody station wagon was owned by our school any seat belts were imaginary mm-hmm. and i'm glad that she told me this is i don't remember anything about kindergarten it lasted but a few weeks and i spent most of my time contracting measles and other <laughs> maladies so she told me what we learned in kindergarten so i kind of caught up a little bit now Remember, folks, Heartland is well with driving past. Do something wild today. Get out there and look at a bird. Thank you, Karen, for your exquisite company. Everyone have a grand day. Thanks, Al. Happy bird watching. Until next week. Thanks, Karen.